podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Listeners, welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 149. Wow. Nearly the big one. Nearly at the big one, 5 um, Which is worth listening to next week. We've got a very special guest. Um, so there you that's go. a bit presumptuous. That's yeah, brought. That's 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 saying next week's is worth listening to. We haven't <laughs> heard this week's yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair point, yeah. Could be no. terrible next week. What, yeah, what, what are you saying about this week's There guests? might be a lot of pressure on you next week because it's 150 and you might crack under the pressure like you do. Have I ever cracked under the pressure? <laughs> yes. You're in a pressure, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, uh, we are sponsored. Um, well, no, let's introduce our guests first. We've got uh, Kevin Day back from Edinburgh. Hey. How are you? Your Edinburgh show was very good. I'm sorry I said oh, that for so. a cheap laugh, which it got. They're probably you know still laughing, so they won't, they, won't, they won't be listening to me say your Edinburgh show is very good. How was probably. your your show, Kev? Uh, it's all right, it's very good. Kevin, yes. sorry. Yes, I, I know yeah, my off. show was very good. And uh, uh, I had the most specific joke I've ever done about Alan Whittle having a bath. <laughs> okay. Quite yeah. few, that's how you know there are Palace fans in the, in the show. And Ed came came third in saying, so think you're funny, so it was all a good... Uh, it was a good time. It was a good, yeah, it was a good time, yeah. Good stuff. And it's really, you, what have you been up to? I've been, I've been on holiday. Good. Some tan is glowing. Of, well, yeah, I know. I've got three more freckles, which is basically my version of a tan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been to Greece. So that was very nice. Well done. Yeah. Good. Well, welcome Taking both of you. Taking advantage of the terrible economic situation. I own three islands what now. Lo- don't, don't knock it. What a lawyer thing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, welcome back, both of you, to the podcast. Oh, um, we've uh, We've got sponsors. Back, yeah. Yeah, 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 In fact, yeah, actually, yeah. Kevin, since you've been away, we've got a new sponsor. A new actually. one? Yeah. And they are JC Innovation and Strategy. They're, oh, no, you were here, actually, when they did this. Anyway, <laughs> JC, Innovation, <laughs> JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. Oh, there we go. And of course, we've still got vector printing uh, for all your print and embroidery needs. Uh, should you have any of those? Um, and that's vector.co.uk, which is vector with a K. Okay. So you could research the globe for things to get embroidered. Exactly. Yeah. Where the podcast covered both those. There you go. Exactly. You're not doing the JC thing anymore. About. Oh yeah. So in the last few weeks, we've been doing JC like big, bigger than Jesus Christ. Or what did we do last week? Uh, I think uh, Ender said something about Jarvis Cocker. More, to be more electable than more, more cool uh, no, no more cooler what sort of language is that uh, cooler than Jarvis Cocker I think okay. Enders did so you've run out of JC's uh, now we've basically run out of JC's yeah. so. we, we, we did the Corbyn thing as well. oh yeah good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Julius Caesar good yeah. more despotic than Julius Caesar <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, nice. let's go with that one this yeah. week good um, anyway um, let's crack on <laughs> with. oh no I must say actually at the start of this so we um, brilliant 
<laughs> it's award season in podcast land, and um, we might be up for an award um, if our listeners will vote for us. So we need our listeners to tweet the following, which is, I'm voting in at the FBAs, which is Football Blogging Awards, for at FIP Fanzine as the best football hashtag podcast. So there you go, a bit, a bit wordy. Wow. That was demeaning, wasn't it? Well, if, yeah, but the thing is, if people do that and tweet for us, then we might, you know, I feel win. S- I we feel might slightly not. smaller. Well, you're not getting the invite up to the uh, final show, then. It's not in Preston again, is it? Uh, it's not far off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Well, anyway, well, no, it wasn't actually in Preston, though. I, I thought it was. I thought it was in Preston. It's actually in Manchester. Oh. Oh. The, 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 the oh, yeah. Football History Museum. Oh, thing. yeah, which is supposed to be very good. National Football there you go. Yeah. Museum. Well, listeners, if, nice. if, you, if you enjoy the pod, um, which we hope you do. Uh, why do you still well, next week's going to be brilliant, apparently. <laughs> exactly. So maybe um, wait till next week and then... Well, no, do it now. Get it out of the way. And then, obviously, next week's pod will be great anyway. Um, if you could tweet that, we'd appreciate it. Anyway, that's all the admin out of the way for the start of the pod. Um, let's talk about Palace uh, losing a title clash at home to Sellhurst. Uh, to Sellers, two man city at Selhurst 1 0. Um, last minute goal. Um, frustrating, wasn't it, Kevin? I mean, Palace deserved something from that? Um, yeah, I, yes, I think we probably did. It was, um, it was interesting when the team was announced. Uh, I think there are sort of, no, well, no two of the changes were, had to be made, uh, but they didn't seem to make much difference, to be perfectly honest. For Kelly and Hangerland. Both played very well. Mm-hmm. Suarez played very, very well. Um, but it, it was kind of interesting because there was some talk beforehand, like would he sort of go for an old-fashioned Pulis type, just pack the midfield, maybe bring Jedi, Jedi back, but pretty much decided to go 4-2-4 four, four and just deal, deal with the fact they're better than us in midfield by just trying to attack them and, and defend where we had to, which I think for the most part worked. I thought MacArthur played really well. I think first half in particular, we had a proper go at them. They had to, Man City had to be very good to beat us. My... I'm slightly worried about where the goals are going to come from and I know a lot of people were still moaning about oh, that would have been tailor-made for Murray I don't think it would have been really not with the pace and the intensity that we attacked so I would have possibly liked to have seen Sacco play more central than he did as it was kind of slightly confusing the whirlwind of changes up front but it's, it's alright it's encouraging it's positive but my big worry is um, the goalkeeper at the moment Really? Yeah I've, I don't think a couple of people half mentioned it. The Norwich goal was his fault. The Chelsea goal was arguably his fault. And they talked on match of the day about our central fenders being slow to react to the parry. But it was a pretty feeble shot that he parried straight back out into the mix, hmm. which no one's really talked about. It's it interesting because I mean, it was a lot perfectly savable. Yeah, you know, that's that's what was frustrating is that it was. It wasn't really a proper chance. I mean, it's just a sort of half chance, half half hit shot that he just. Certainly compared to the chances they did have in the game, because they had yeah. some very good ones. Yeah, as not, we, and we had a couple of good chances, but yeah, I mean, they, they, that, that's, that was the annoying thing about it for Do you me. not think McCarthy had a good game? Because aside from that, he did make some good I, saves. Well, yeah, well, you know, that's, it's the opposite of the Cameron Jerome argument. It's like, OK, how many good saves he makes if he, if he makes one mm. bad mistake? And the fact is he got away with the one at Norwich and he got away with the one at Chelsea, because his positioning at Chelsea, he was beaten on the near post at Chelsea from outside the near post, which shouldn't have happened. The, the, you know, his, the Norwich one was a pretty feeble daisy cutter shot which he couldn't get down to hmm. and he, he can be as good as he likes but it's a little bit like it reminds me a little bit of Julian when he first came in all those years ago when he looked like a half decent keeper but he, he made mistakes every game and at the moment I think there's a debate to be had as to why Hennessy's not 
starting in McCarthy is because to me McCarthy looks like a, to me he looks like a very good championship goalkeeper at the moment and not a Premier League goalkeeper it's, in, it's really interesting you say that because a lot of people have been uh, saying the opposite and saying that they think McCarthy's been very very solid and that now Jules is back or he's certainly played in the reserves obviously, that he won't get his spot what do you think Andy do you think he has been at fault for goal um, I, th- I certainly <coughs> thought with the Norwich one his footwork wasn't quite good enough um I think he got some criticism for the Arsenal goal, which I thought was slightly ludicrous and had a few beers and told a few people that I thought they were being slightly ludicrous on social media for accusing him of being at fault for that one. I think, yeah, the Chelsea one, albeit a great header from Falcao and great movement, um, perhaps wasn't as alert as near post as he should have been. I'm still not sure about the one from Saturday. Again, I got a bit drunk on Greek beer and told people they're talking nonsense for blaming him. You watch it again, I mean, it, it shot across him from a fairly acute angle I mean it's not like he can really push it further away because of where his, his feet are his starting position was okay I mean some people would say maybe he should have strong enough arms to sort of hold it from that position it's quite late on in the game you know tiredness does start to set in it doesn't look to me like he is um, bringing out any nervousness in the defence that are in front of him at the moment and he does sort of command himself around the box in a way that I quite like. But I think it's, it's going to be one of those things that inevitably, because he's new and he's in a role where you had an incumbent who you know has been at the club for 10 years and is a massive fan favourite and uh, a second choice who, for those who don't rate Julian, they all seem to love Wayne Hennessy mm-hmm. and, and is one of those players who's been sort of widely heralded as one of the guys who either would come in this season or who should have come in last season and has a number of plaudits despite having not played a huge amount for Palace, it's probably not surprising that there's going to be a huge amount of emphasis on how McCarthy plays and the sort of micro-analysis you get of every single shot and every single decision. And um, I, I've not thought that any of them have been clangers at all. I mean, Norwich one I thought was poor. Uh, and yeah, perhaps you know a sharp, world-class goalkeeper in the sort of early stages of a match holds on to the shot on... Mm. On, on was it from Nasri? I think Nasri, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he did hold. He did hold on to well, stronger I mean, shots. If, if, it, it is microanalysis, and if, if you like, I'm looking for things to criticise because otherwise it, it's it's going to be a short pod. <laughs> but I think you know everyone's talking about from Steve Parrish down. Everyone's talking about new levels of professionalism because we're we've moved up a, a, a degree within the Premier League. We're looking at a better club all round, blah blah blah. And yet, that's for me that was. I, th- I thought it was his fault. I don't think there's, any, there's no point pussyfooting about it. He had a really good performance, but mm. you know, criticising the central defenders for not reacting quickly is, is one thing. But they shouldn't really. You know, maybe it's, it's credit to him. They didn't expect him to to parry it back, but he parried it. It wasn't a thunderbolt. You know, it came through players, but he did parry it straight back into the into the mix. I mean, in question mark as well whether whether or not they should have allowed Nasri to get yeah, shot away. Yeah, that yeah, 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 of that, course. That and, and, the, and the fact is as well, we're, we're talking. We're talking borderline issues and decisions in a game against a team that costs, however, hundreds of millions mm. to put together. And I think, like the Guardian summed it up today, that Man City had to be at very, very good to beat us. And you know, the league table doesn't lie. We're not. It's not like even last year when we beat them at Sellers under Pardew, it was kind of it was overlooked really. But it's backs to the wall. I mean, they battered us for yeah. a lot of that game. Season before, when Pulis tried to sort of match him in in midfield, they were just at their best, and that was when Toure was arguably the best player in the Premier League, and we couldn't get near them. We we more than got near them. We matched them. They had to play very very well. They had to be very physical to beat us. We we had a go as well. We were positive. We tried mm. to score goals against them, and the fact is, we lost one 0 at home to a really really good team, lively Champions League contenders, 
and it's a, a measure of how far we've improved that we're we're disappointed by definitely by that and and, and the overriding feeling afterwards though was disappointment because, because of what we could have yeah, got because the performance had been as I say really really good I was I was really I thought Hangerland came in and played really well yeah I thought Kelly came in and played really well because I, I was sitting along the side for the first time so I saw Soiree I thought Soiree is great he's brilliant yeah. I thought going forward he was really good but defensively he's just so much stronger than he was in the second part of last season there's mm. so much more tactically aware I thought he looked I'm still slightly worried about the lack of cover I'd still for him, for for well, centre back and right, but I still think you haven't really got a left back cover, have you? Apart from Kelly, really. Well, Mariapa, really. Well, Mariapa. I mean, Mari. I mean, if the thing is, one more injury, and you'd be looking at Mariapa, and then what? There's no other options, basically, yeah. is it? So, well, that's what we've worried about all season. Yeah. Isn't it? Dan maybe yeah. getting injured. And again, so then we should we should point out that we we nearly beat more. We nearly got a point against Man City with two of our. First choice and with no striker, and with and with no striker yeah. starting. Yeah, just on McCarthy. Then before we move on, what would what would you guys do? Would you keep him in? Would you bring in him? Yeah, I'd still because I, I am playing devil's advocate a little bit because I was just surprised that nobody made more of it because I thought it was his error and it wasn't. It's not the first one this season, but clearly, I mean, Pardew, from what I can gather, made a real big effort. I'm not sure what Hennessy thought about that, but he made a big effort to get him. Uh, so clearly, I've, I don't think Julian coming back fit is going to make a difference. I think McCarthy's our first choice keeper, and then it's just a question of who's mm. on the bench. Basically. Well, there was rumours of Hennessy going, wasn't there, in, yeah. in the summer? So well, and the thing is, like we said it before, but it's now what four managers in a row, if you want to include yeah. Keith Millen in there, yeah. Yeah. Who, who haven't picked him, you know, or who've only ever used them on very much a bit past bit part basis. And we spoke a few weeks back about it being almost the sort of Matt Parsons syndrome that the longer a player's out of the team, the more he becomes sort of mm. the, the panacea to every single ill in that position. And um, I think, you know, you're probably looking at the fact that McCarthy is, is still getting used to playing yeah. week in, week out at that level. I mean, I, I've been sufficiently impressed with some of the stuff I've seen. Yeah, the, you know, there will be tiny errors with sort of uh, sort of footwork and mm. positioning and, and handling from time to time. But I've been quite impressed with the, the vast majority of what I've seen and from errors him. errors when you're a keeper, they get magnified because yeah, they no, need to, and, to and, and lead to goals. Yeah, absolutely, given the nature of when the error occurred. Exactly. Um, the, uh, the thing with Hennessy, I think it would be different for Hennessy if Mark Hughes was saying to him, you need to be playing week in, week out. But yeah. clearly he's Wales' his first choice keeper. I mean, that might be different when it comes to actually mm. the actual time. And we should probably point out he has played very well for Wales and kept a lot of clean sheets. Oh, but is, is, yeah. different, is it a different level? Is, that, is, it, is it harsh to compare that then to Premier League form? I think you'll get a lot of tweets from Welsh people. <laughs> you would argue that Wales versus Andorra or whatever it no, is, isn't Premier mm-hmm. League standard. But what I'm saying is that Hughes is obviously clearly happy enough with his sharpness and his fitness for it not to be a massive issue for, for Hennessy. But I'm sure Hennessy is disappointed. But as I think it's a good point that Streety makes is that for two, since he came two seasons ago, I think week in, week out, we've been predicting that he'll be the first choice keeper next week. Uh, yeah. and, and like you say, four consecutive managers now haven't made him so. so. Mm. I should also point out as well that the second choice goalkeeper of Wales is me. Yeah, oh, okay. there are that few good. goalkeepers in Wales. Yeah, that I've actually been called up seventeen yeah. times. I've seen you playing goal, and that would not be good for Wales. Even when he was away in Greece, it was, it yeah, was yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, but well, I, mean, I say, but they are nitpick. I thought, I thought McArthur was really good. Yeah, on Saturday, Kabai still, I think, hasn't had a full ninety minutes. We go, he's brilliant for the whole. I mean, there's a couple of things he did. There was one bit of, he won a tackle and did a little juggle thing, which was yeah, and then flicked over, which was yeah, yeah, which yeah. is brilliant. But at the moment, I don't think. 
it, things are not quite coming together. We're not quite seeing the player we know he will be. Does it feel like he's settling a bit more into I the role? I think it does a little bit. And also, I think as well, it's because we kind of, you know, Pardew does play different systems week in, week out. So I think Kabai's probably getting used to that. He's not kind of not got the same player in front of him two games running, hmm. basically. And you kind of think, I thought Kabai looked a bit more happy when Gale came on because he had suddenly had a more obvious pass to. To hear, but I still, Kabai's playing well enough, but we haven't quite seen what we've been Do we like him playing? Because Pardew's been persisting with him in the deeper position. Mm. Um, we haven't seen him really further forward yet. I think we did in the Norwich game for a little bit, but do we like to be for him deeper? Or well, do we he, want him he, he tended to play deeper for, for, for Newcastle, yeah. and he has done generally throughout his career. I mean, I, I know people look at him and go, Yeah, he's a great technical player. Why is he not sort of further up where? given that he's scored goals and he's great with set pieces and has an eye for a pass and has the ability to sort of change direction very quickly why is he not further forward um, you know query whether or not he would be able to sort of make an impact in that role you would have thought that someone of his obvious ability would but we've got about a million number 10s yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> you don't want to throw another one into the mix really when yeah. he, I mean I, I questioned it a few weeks back I said that the mix in the midfield didn't necessarily look right to me I said at the time I didn't know whether it was the fact that him and uh, MacArthur were too similar or whether it was the sort of bedding in period and them getting used to each other it looks more like it was me being completely wrong and it was the bedding <laughs> in period rather than the fact that they're incompatible with each other I, I think they're now starting to look like and they certainly did at the Chelsea match which obviously mm. Kev, Kevin yeah, and I yeah. didn't speak after because we weren't on the pod but um, you know they looked very dynamic and mobile in that match together and more, were more than a match for a quite physical Chelsea midfield when they've got Matic in there and when Mikel came on later in the match and mm. obviously you know uh, Man City have Yaya Torre in the middle who is physically very very imposing and they weren't edged out of the game by him at all sort of yeah. physically you know that they were more than a match for him in terms of sort of uh, aggression and sort of will to impose a physicality upon the game despite mm. being smaller so I mean I'd, I'd thought you know they're starting to come together a bit more um, and Pardew did say and yeah, it, it turns out quite often since he took over that he does tend to be right more often than we are <laughs> But yeah, he, well. he did say there was there are slight issues with Kabai's fitness and because he hadn't played that much for PSG and he mm-hmm. was wasn't that sharp and he said it would take probably ten games he said before he saw and I think I think Saturday was the first time it started to look like the sort of player because you like the street he said physically I thought he was mm. I mean MacArthur and, and Kabai didn't take a backward step in mm. in midfield and MacArthur especially was just I thought that was one of the better games he's had mm. uh, and but and MacArthur but it was noticeable that MacArthur was the one who went forward more than. Goodbye, did mm. or they let Punchin? Punchin's kind of seemed to have a strange sort of floating around. He didn't really have a position, did he? He didn't really. That was that was kind of odd. I mean, I know they were sort of rotating uh, Sacco and and Yannick from the left and into the into the middle, but Punchin seems sort of slightly flighty a bit. Mm. It's weird. He's been playing. He's been playing out wide. Yeah. Them, uh, recently in recent games and, and looked quite good and actually looked better than when he's been in the middle which yeah, is weird because yeah, yeah. in the last season we all agreed he's more yeah. central but so. again that comes back to what and the whole thing about the Kabai and I don't think I've done the pod since the the, the Kabai thing was odd for me I'm, it's brilliant I'm really pleased that we bought him but you look yeah there were plenty of other options there I and mean, then you kind of I'd be more pleased if we'd bought another centre back or Kabai look, it looked to me the sort of signing that the club is saying look we're a bigger club now have a bigger signing mm. that will keep you happy Without necessarily really thinking where he was going to play and what it was going to, how it was going to impact on other players, but I'm, I mean, I'm really pleased it's there. And also, I think it's noticeable that it's interesting to hear Scott Dan say that the reason he stayed was because we signed hmm. Kabai and maybe MacArthur signed a five-year deal yeah, as well. Yeah, but I think MacArthur and Kabai really do have the makings of a. Yeah. But I think Kabai 
maybe because he's only slightly. I mean, he looks slightly less creative than we thought he was going to be. He's also physically much bigger than I thought he was going to be as well. He's, he's also that side of his game, the physical side of the game, yeah, not yeah, something yeah. that I'd really appreciated, no. but he's, he's very good. He's willing to get stuck in and yeah. track back, isn't he? Well, I'd heard Newcastle fans say, say he doesn't mind a tackle, but I thought that meant in that kind of lightweight, yeah. throwing himself into tackles that he shouldn't no, but he, do. He can. But he's properly, yeah. he, pro- certainly Saturday, he was properly mixing it with. And City were very, very physical. Yeah. For all, I was really quite cross with Pellegrini and a couple of friends of mine who were City fans afterwards because. For all, you know, they had more yellow cards than we did. And for all, Dan's tackle was a bad tackle. There's no way around mm-hmm. it. It was late. It wasn't malicious. His studs weren't up. He just got done for pace and, in, and intelligence. But uh, Torres was a, was a shocking tackle. And so Dan, was Mangala's. And so was Mangala. Torres was, was, I was really close to that. That was a straight red and a half. That was yeah. a poor challenge. That was malicious. Can you get those now? We should red be able to for that, retrospectively. Well, so yeah, that was yeah. like Pellegrini didn't seem fit to, to mention that. And also Pellegrini talking afterwards about Pardew contesting every decision I was right behind the dugout Pellegrini didn't stop not once did he stop having a go and if he wasn't having a go he was telling Brian well, that's, to have a go. that's manager's prerogative yeah that's but that's do. fine but don't afterwards say I'm the only one Pardew, oh, yeah, Pardew I thought was noticeably quiet Pardew spent a lot of time looking at his notebook and not making eye contact I don't know I think that's a good thing personally because yeah. I, I no, think so um, you know yeah. you look at uh, there was the whole thing with Martinez and Mourinho wasn't there over the weekend and Martinez said uh, well last time when they beat us 6-3 Mourinho was you know all, all sort of lightness and, and, and yeah. grace with me and was very gracious in, in the interview after the game and this time when we've beaten them yeah, he's yeah. being particularly mm. cantankerous and yeah. difficult and mm. blah blah same, same with Pellegrini you know he, he whinged after the loss to us at Selhurst last season it's taken a last minute winner from uh, sort of an 18 year old nobody and a match in which they've been in a real real tussle and a battle Mm. with Palace and where he's seen his probably his best strike well easily his best strike and one of his best players sort of hobble off I mean he knows that he's been in a bit of a war there so I mean it's probably only natural that after that he's going to come out and show a little bit of you know the, the usual hmm. sort of rhetoric well, because make, otherwise how else are you going to deflect from the fact that you've, yeah. you've taken a last minute yeah. winner from uh, an 18 year old when you spent you know 200 million quid over the summer to beat Little Old Palace you know no, so I, I, I took I, it as quite a positive definitely, sign yeah. I, I thought if you if you're a, a believer in conspiracy theories I thought they were trying to wind Pardew up because Pardew's on several warnings isn't he from his because they had that public, well publicised back with Pellegrini yeah. before I thought Pardew was well, not after the Toure tackle, but for the most part, I thought Pardew tried hard not to get involved in too much stuff with mm. Pellegrini really, because they were winding him up. Yeah, well, and they visited, yeah. they shook hands, didn't they? You yeah. see that as well afterwards. So yeah. they made, made a point to make up for it. But it's, surely it's an indication that you've got under City's skin. Yeah, yeah. You? you've done exactly the job that you wanted. Oh, we to do. do. You could see that in the first half. You could see they they weren't happy with the physical approach. That we, we were matching their physical approach. We didn't yeah. set out to try and impose ourselves on them because we couldn't do that we didn't have the numbers in midfield but we watch Palace this week we know Palace aren't a particularly yeah. overly physical team we're a competitive team Yeah, no more so than any other team we are we? getting bigger though which is good to see in, I think we're also in like, terms of our new players and stuff. just yeah just in terms you look at our back Suarez not tall but he's strong stacked yeah and Kelly's big and Sacco is you know it, we, that was always a massive you know three four years ago the amount of times we used to talk about away games where we'd get muscled out of it mm. in championship games and that, that's not happening anymore. No. So well, we got Yala. Yala's a beast up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, let's just go back to the tackle. So, so Dan on Aguero, not not a red. No, not for it, me. I mean, it's, I, it's very it, cynical, but it's a yellow. It's not dangerous. I don't play. think it was halfway line. I don't think it was even cynical. I don't think. I think. Do you not think he sort of knew what was happening and just, I think he just took one for the team? I, I, no, I think he just got outsmarted. I just think Aguero was too quick for him. 
I think he, he didn't expect Aguero to have gone. I think he put a tackle in, got you know the old cliche, got there as quickly as he could, and wasn't quick enough, and just wasn't quick enough. And it was it was a foul, but it was on the shin pad, and it was, his studs weren't up, and and it was definitely yellow. There's no way that was a red. And what about what about the city ones? Because uh, one was for me. I didn't see the mangle. But because properly, do you think because the ref didn't give a red for Dan, he's not going to? Um, I, I saw. I don't uh, think there had been. It, uh, the other thing I was disappointed about is a friend of mine is a Man City fan. Got in touch straight away. She said, oh, I'm really disappointed with Palace fans because they booed uh, Aguero. I said, I don't think they're booing him. I think they were booing the rest of the city team. We're trying to get Dan sent off because mm. the, the, they they turned it into an issue. Mm. It, it was immediately Aguero was, you know, out unconscious for four seconds before looking up and brandishing a, uh, an imaginary card. Toure was around the ref. The others were around the ref waving cards. So. I don't think anybody else would have thought it was anything other than a yellow card until City got involved. And I, so I said I was more disappointed that City had started to show that sort of united sense of entitlement. That City don't seem to like it anymore when teams. Hmm. But that's going to happen to, when you've got the temerity to stand up and, and play again. But the Toure one was malicious. I mean, that was the ball was going nowhere. It was on the touchline. One, if not both, feet were off the ground. Hmm. That could have really hurt MacArthur. Hmm. And what about the Mangala one? Because that I again looked clipped his ankles, didn't he? As he was. I, I, I thought, if I'm honest, I thought all three of them were yellows. I think the rashest one is probably Torres, but I mean, having watched it back a few times today, and having watched it at the time, obviously, um, I, I, he's coming from the side. Like his 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 feet are slightly off the floor, but they, they're coming down. Like as he comes through him, I think the feet are more or less grounded. Like the studs aren't fully up. Came a long um, way. He did come a long yeah. way, and he, you know he's he's a very big man. So like when you see him, MacArthur's quite a bit smaller. So when you see a guy like that wipe out MacArthur, uh, it was you know it's a yellow card all day. I didn't think any of them oh, were dangerous you, enough to, to warrant a red. Well, if you talk, well, possibly, but I mean, if you talk about intent, I think there was more intent on Toure's yeah. tackle to hurt MacArthur than the one on Dan. No, I think that's that's probably yeah. right, and I think I've watched back the, the the Dan and Aguero one quite a few times as well, and it just seems to me that it's one of those where it's sort of the combination of. Um, you know him being knocked off balance, but then landing quite badly yeah. on on the leg that's been injured. Mm. Um, you know he's he's not gone in with his studs. Yeah, it it sort of clipped him not too far below the knee, but it's one of those where you got him with the laces of the boot rather than with the studs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. We'd be you know, it's not it's not to dangerous. Be, to be fair, if it the other way around, we'd have been yeah. very upset. But I it think would. the other thing that annoyed, as I tried to say to my city friend, the other thing that annoyed Palace fans was that Aguero seemed to be all right. But then he decided to stop the game. He went down, mm. and basically the city players stopped playing. They didn't wait for the ref to stop the game. It's like that kind of again that arrogance. Mm. Uh, so that's I think. But the booing was more to do with the rest of the city players than yeah, actually booing Aguero. But even if it was, I don't care. I don't it's really remember football. booing. I didn't. It wasn't all around the ground. But I don't. Know, it's a football match. You just, well, it's you pantomime, isn't it? I was delighted <laughs> to see him go off personally. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I was, I was too. Kevin De Bruyne came on. I was too because I benched him for my fantasy team out of loyalty against Palace, and that's paid off massively. The bloke modern, modern football. This bloke who scored was well, modern football. The bloke who scored was number seventy-two. <laughs> yeah. His squad. His squad number. Yeah. Seventy-two on the back of his shirt. Okay. And I don't think. I think Pellegrini forgotten he was there, basically. <laughs> well, I've never heard of that guy, but he, he, yeah. he fair play, he scored the goal, looked alright when he came on. Let, let's just round off by talking about Gale then, because if you are Dwight Gale, you're probably going to be a bit annoyed that Palace have gone with no striker when you you're on the bench. Did did he did he do alright when he came on, and should he have scored that chance at the end? Well, I want to talk first of all about the, the whole Saka or Balassi thing up front, and I, I just think fundamentally, it's, obviously it, it was limited on Saturday by the options. You know, yeah. we, we we would be playing Conor Wickham up there were he fit, and he's not fit. 
uh, well, he wasn't fit for that match. I don't know if he's going to be fit for, for Tottenham on Sunday. But you know, in in his absence, I mean, I just don't really think that the Balassi thing can can work really. Like he's he's just a bit too direct, and he's not quite uh, canny enough with his use of the ball, and it's bringing other people into play to be able to play that central role. I'd say probably the same as Sacco, to be honest. Like even though. I've already embarrassed myself once uh, in reference to Saka this season. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, in, in terms of him playing in that sort of very, very central forward role, I just don't see him having the ball retention ability or the sort of passing ability or sort of knowledge of where runs are going. Like he's, he's great at beating a man. He's very physical and he's clearly a very good finisher, but he's not going to play the sort of Wickham role. Um, so I think Pardew probably needs to have a think about what he's going to do when Wickham's not available. I, I wonder, because we had this chat before and after I, I just wondered with the pace that we tried to play whether he would have started with Wickham anyway whether because I, I, I thought it was quite especially the first 25-30 minutes it was quite exciting the way we got the ball you mean start with Gale? no I, it wasn't Wickham I just thought the way we started I thought that maybe maybe something that Pardew had thought about anyway because it was like that maybe he thought that trying to roll the ball into a central striker who was back to goal would slow everything down oh, and, right, and yeah. they were so big at the back They've got two really good central defenders, a really good screen that maybe he thought that the best way forward was to get the ball in the box as quickly as possible and run at them. And and run at yeah. them. You know, either with the cross early crosses or just to run at them and, and then sort of rotate who was in the box at any given mm. time. But it didn't quite come off. But I don't think you know, people saying, Oh, if Murray had been there that would have made a difference. It would have changed the way we played entirely, I think. And I think Pardew almost was happy to sort of not get involved in the midfield battle and to get the ball because it was, we were far more direct than we have been for a long yeah. time and I thought there were times in the first half where I thought they struggled to, to cope with the other big question of course is where is Bamford don't know didn't get, he wasn't didn't even get the into, yeah didn't get in the match they no, in the end. No, no, no which is a slightly odd well I thought it was a slightly yeah. odd signing to be perfectly honest like, well I thought Wickham was the odd signing after we got Bamford I, I, I think to be honest if you're in Crystal Palace's position that the sort of player that you're going to get to improve your squad is probably not going to be a lone offshoot of someone who's above you in the league. Like if you if you just come up into the Premier League and you're a Bournemouth, for example, and I don't mean that particularly disparagingly towards Bournemouth, and no disrespect intended at all. But the sort of player who's going to improve our squad just now implied. is <laughs> not intended, implied. Okay, well I will say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the sort of player who's going to improve our squad now is not going to be a Sonogo who hasn't played at Premier League level. It's not going to be a Bamford who's only you know had one season at Championship level. It's going to be either somebody who comes in from abroad who has already a little bit of pedigree or something about them or has performed in a foreign league but is relatively cheap by Premier League standards or it's going to be a proven Premier League player. And in some ways I just found it a slightly strange signing because of that. He might... You know, he might prove me completely wrong, as so many people have in the past. Um, but it, it still seemed like a slightly bizarre one, particularly given how c- committed he seems to be to the idea of being a successful Chelsea player mm-hmm. in the very near future. But you don't. I mean, maybe maybe we're doing a favour to Mourinho because quite clearly he seems to like Palace. But I, I don't think you can argue that Wickham is that much better than Bamford in terms of what they've achieved in terms of Premier League record, and we paid ten million quid for. Mm. For Wickham, I think again, I think Wickham will be a good player, but it just in terms of looking at his stats. But I mean, he's played he's played quite a lot at Premier League level. I think that's that's the only he thing. Hasn't I'll... scored any goals at Premier League level. But he's, he's been played out wide fundamentally yeah. by by Sunderland a lot. He's shown glimpses he can. He, he's shown glimpses he can. I think it's, it's going to take Bamford quite a lot of time. Even I'm not just talking in terms of like the goal return. Mm. Admittedly, when you look at 
you know, Wickham's goal return, even if you don't want to take into account the caveat of where he's been played by Sunderland, yeah, it's not that impressive. But sort of uh, the experience of playing that sort of pace of football and that speed of football yeah, is, I think, just so fundamentally different to playing at Championship level. And, and you notice it if you watch like a match at Championship level and, and a match at Premier League level, just how, how much quicker the teams are in sort of transitions when they lose the ball, sort of in terms of going forward and attacking and sort of the speed with which they get it into the forwards and so on and so forth. And it's not just the pace of the players, it's actually the pace of the game. And some of that comes down to speed of thought, effectively. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I found the Bamford thing incredibly strange because it's a guy who's made his Premier League debut with Palace rather than with Chelsea. I think that's right, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, against it was in the Arsenal match, made his Premier League debut with Palace, and it's it's unless he is an utterly remarkable player and a truly you know outstanding talent, he's probably not going to hit the ground running. So he's going to be bedding in with Palace rather than. Mm. with Chelsea and if you get any return from it it's probably not going to be this side of Christmas mm. which for a player who you know you had a pool of strikers of what four of them really and well sorry it was five now down to four if you want to include Shamak in that number mm-hmm. with Gale and uh, the two others Bamford and, and, and Wickham and Campbell uh, and Campbell yeah I had forgotten about him <laughs> he was on the bench well yeah I mean for him to be considered ahead of Bamford, Bamford maybe yeah, yeah. sort of speaks volumes I know that uh, well, again, that might come down to the fact that he didn't want to play that sort of. I don't know, but there again, there were some crosses coming in. That if Bamford was on the end of that one, yeah. that, that punching got his head on, that possibly. Where does but, it? But where, the answer, answer the Gale question. I think is yeah. that I'm, I'm really pleased we kept Gale, and I still, you know, clearly, again, it comes back to that successive managers haven't trusted him enough to start him. But I think he deserves a chance. But I mean, that that chance. I mean, that was a tricky chance, but. We've talked about this quite a lot in the past two or three seasons. If we if we're not creating that many chances against a team like City, you've got to take them when they mm. when they. Come so I, I, I was fairly encouraged by that. I thought we'd created a good few first opportunities. Half, first, well, first opportunities half. rather than chances. Well, I mean, we, we tested Joe Hart a, a good few times. I mean, there was the the, the great save in the second half um, yeah. from was it Punch's yeah. header? Punch, yeah. Punch's header. You know, we've yeah, we've not our finishing wasn't great that day. Um, Arguably, should have had a penalty in the first half. Anyway, foul on Kabai, foul foul on Kabai, which which very much looked like a penalty. You don't have too much to go to the ref because it was a pretty crowded (coughs) box. Very, very quick. It came at the end of a sort of six and two threes. Mm. They were both tussling, and then, but that was a clear foul. foul, But he could easily have blown for a foul against him Mm. beforehand. But you know, it's just like still, when when somebody like Defoe was available, you kind of think. Maybe would you know, just that striker who would take that one, but then there's so few, so few of them mm. in our price range in that division because we're, you know, we're it's, it's brilliant that we can afford Kabai, but you look at the players that are coming on for City, mm. yeah, drawing 45 million quid coming on, even the youngster, you know, even, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the but, alternative, but Gale, I'm, I'm pleased Gay was there as an option, though, yeah. Well, uh, should, well yeah. One, of, one of the few sort of strikers that would have. Probably fit into that, and that we were interested in not that long ago was Gomez, but he would have, you know, we would yeah. we would have ended up breaking the bank to to get him in. I mean, yeah, players like Defoe are brilliant finishers, like Gale is, but you know, you, you look at what Sunderland paid for Defoe and what they're paying every week, yeah. and how they've tried to shoehorn him into that shoe, shoehorn, yeah, yeah. shoehorn him into that team, and are now bottom of the league because they just look like. Well, it's not entirely because of that, and I think it'd be a bit unfair to blame it on Jermaine Defoe. But, but I think yesterday they're a very dysfunctional team. Yesterday was the first time we started actually up front rather than wide on the left. Yeah, as well, but so. playing in wide, like yeah. so. You know, I think we, we if we wanted to fit 
Dwight Gale into the team we, we've sort of said this before he'd end up having to play out wide and he's yeah. just not quite good enough but speaking for that of out wide we should probably point out that chance to Gale and the chance for a punch good, great crosses we've talked more about oh, yeah. getting more balls in the box yeah, they were yeah, excellent yeah. crosses weren't they yeah yeah and, and I thought because Soiree had that shot which I don't think most people in the ground realised how close it was it was very close where yeah. we were it was, it was going in before it was missing to quote the, to quote the wonderful Mark Webster <laughs> who got watching the England-Sweden game one night when Joe Cole just left West Ham and scored a world-class goal against Sweden Yeah, he sort of curled out and came back in again and Webster was just furious I mean, that was missing before it went in <laughs> shit we shouldn't be celebrating that <laughs> but no I thought Suarez I mean Suarez started to and what was interesting as well was the amount of space but last, even against Man City who haven't conceded a goal yet but Lassie was making so much space for Suarez to get down into, and also I don't know somebody mentioned afterwards it hadn't occurred to me I don't know whether the pitch has got something to do with it but I thought we were far more confident in our passing it was less hopeful it wasn't just hopeful knocking the ball forward it was putting balls in front of people mm. 10, 20, 30 yard proper passes rather than just someone on, it forward someone on the Guardian yeah. podcast this week said that the pitch is wider the pitch has got wider or is one of the widest in the league it's or something so I don't he know if they that. have changed it James, really? James Richardson said that. Okay. he also then said he wasn't sure if it got smaller he couldn't remember but it, it might <laughs> so it's either bigger or smaller it's either bigger or smaller or he's got taller I or, can't remember um, or expanding further yeah, away. Yeah, I, thought there was more I thought there was more confidence in our passing than there yeah. was oh, at the definitely. end of last season, and it was paying off. And the passes were, for the most part, getting to where definitely and, and the, uh, passing at pace as well. Yeah. Oh, the confidence in the team yeah. is immeasurably better. Anyway, let's round off part one there. Um, in part two, of course, we've got is questions. Measurably. I think so. Yeah. I think mean, that's his longest yet. Isn't uh, it? You know, it's new season, new words. Yeah, yeah. It's five, I got a, five syllables. <laughs> got a dictionary for my birthday. Um, let's dictionary. dictionary. <laughs> right. <that's, laughs> that is the end of part one. In part two, we got questions from our listeners. So, see you in a bit. And listeners, welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. Hey. Pod one four nine, sponsored by. Uh, JCIS that's JC Innovation and Strategy the global research and brand consultancy from South London jazzier than John Coltrane nice let me Ooh, do it nice, yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. the website oh, is uh, jc-is.com that was a good one oh, jazzier yeah, than John Coltrane yeah, yeah, yeah. good and of course uh, Vector Printing for all your print and embroidery needs go to vector.co.uk and that's Vector with a K there we go they seem to be a bit of an afterthought now don't they no no they're, they're very much still part of the team stalwarts yeah stalwart good Damien Delaney's Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, the you, f- you fall back on them when another embroidery comes on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How dare but, you but say reliable, that? Re- reliable. Um, let's crack on with the questions. Dan. Hey, Dan. Dan of South London. No, Dan. Dan of the South. Nice. Um, that's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Says, um, goes on your point, actually, Kevin, familiar. Are City fans the most precious in football? You'd think we were leads from the 70s if you listen to it. Oh, them. I'm going to say no, they're not the most precious because precious has to be, like, you know, a bit rare. So I'm going to go Brighton fans. <laughs> Okay, I, I think there's been a slight change in City fans in the last couple of seasons because there's always been a good bond between Palace fans mm, and City has, fans yeah. and I've got a lot of good mates with City fans but there is a certain sense of entitlement creeping in now a certain sense of that do you reckon that does happen as a successful team I think it would probably happen to us I think we I think you know probably Charlton and Millwall fans probably think we're more arrogant than we used to be I don't know but I think probably we I are think what's dis- <laughs> I think what's disappointing was Aguero naming Scott down in his tweet Mm. Today, saying so that tackle, that, didn't they, that tackle bicycle, well, bicycle, yeah, and also City. I mean, they made a lot more fuss of it than they need to. They got a very big squad. Uh, I know they're playing in the Champions League on Tuesday, but I'd, I think, especially given the other tackles that went on in the game, I think it was a bit ungracious mm. 
to to behave to react the way they did to, to Scott Dad's tackle. It was a bad tackle. It was not one Palace fan who would say it wasn't a bad tackle, but it wasn't. But if City hadn't, if City, if Tory and Mangala hadn't done their tackles, you might have been like, okay, maybe fair enough. But the fact that they did yeah. tackles are as good, if not worse. They were really physical. It's, it's a bit rich for them to. City are a very physical team. Yeah, They're a very physical team, and it's just that they are. It's not all City fans, because but there are one or two, especially in social media, who are starting to go, oh yeah. That sort of attitude that Arsenal fans always had. Oh, if you're going to go around tackling us, and then what's the point? If you're going to go around playing football against us, mm. that's not. There's nothing wrong with being physical. Being a physical team when no, you need no, to be. We're not. We're, we are more physical than we are, we probably were even under Pulis, but we're not. We're not dirty. All right, we've got to say it. But again, yeah, that's got down. You know, let's not be hypocritical. If it, if it was the other way around, we probably wouldn't be furious. But he wasn't for on goal. Exactly. There was plenty of cover, it, and it wasn't. It, it, I don't think it was. I think it was. It was cynical, not malicious. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's meant. To, I, I think he's probably meant to bring him down there. But he's not. In, he's not gone in there intending to hurt him. You know, no. he's not yeah. a Mitrovic or anyone like that. He's not yeah. a lunatic who goes around. You know, being entirely cynical the entire well, he's never time, like Costa, he's never yeah. done that before for Palace. He he just got caught for pace and decided to make a fairly professional foul, which you know it happens, and he, he took the book in that he he deserved. So I just I, yeah. you know it's a little bit sanctimonious, but I suppose you're going to well, get can that. I, let me can I pose you this question then from Tony? No, G- you can't. We're, we're done with questions. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> so lost. The end of part two. Um, Tony G. Hey Tony. Hey Tony. Says um, big team bias does exist. But do we sometimes suffer from small team paranoia? I heard a few moans about the Man City. Who told book- him that? Listen, I heard a few <laughs> moans about the Man City bookings. Should have been read, but for me, Dan was as bad as Mangala. Is that is that a thing? Small team paranoia. I think every team. I think Man City fans probably have the same paranoia. You know, United fans would say City fans have got that paranoia. There's still. I think most Palace fans. I thought the referee, as it happens, was was very good on Saturday, and I think the longer we stay in the Premier League. The more decisions will start to even themselves out. I'm sure Watford, yeah. Bournemouth, Norwich fans are doing their pod at this very same moment. You know, I hope not sponsored by Vector with a K, but you know. <laughs> well, if I find or that to be the case, with an L, as Watford fans will probably spell it. I don't know. But, They're probably um, drafting fellow podders with yeah. Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of podders from Granada. It's like a trilingual pod. He's a good player, that fellow podders. Uh, he is, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be sitting there doing the pod saying it's, you've got to work much harder to get decisions. Uh, but I, th- I think also as well with Pardew I think it's noticeable I, th- I think well, it might be anecdotal it might be imagination but I think with Pulis prowling the touchline and Pardew prowling the touchline we'd probably get a few more decisions mm. go our way than we used to but um, I think I, I think yeah, you, there's no fear of United anymore from referees now Ferguson's gone mm. I, I think I, I, I had no complaints about the ref on and to be fair on, against on Norwich Saturday, we I'm, did get that decision didn't we yeah yeah, Cam yeah, goal. yeah. My, my complaints um were more to do with the Man City fans who refused to accept that the Tory challenge was just as bad. Yeah. I've got no complaints with the ref. I thought the referee handled the game very well. I think, I think oddly, I think the, from what I've seen, the, a couple of the younger newer refs that are coming are looking are looking all right in the Premier League. So. Okay, That's but there is there is that paranoia. There always will be that kind of because we still. Most of it, this is all new territory for us. This well, we're used to being underdogs, aren't we? Yeah, we're used yeah, to the sort of siege mentality. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and we weren't, oddly, we didn't go into that. I mean, it's, it's slightly odd people talking about it being a top two clash because that we won't be in the top two at the end of the season. But No, being the top but we, one. But we, but we weren't underdogs, though. We weren't, you know, people were predicting City would have a, a tough game. Oh, a lot no, of people yeah. predicted a draw, so it wasn't like even at the end of last season with a 2 1, when we won, we were massive underdogs going into it. And so hmm. we have to. Slightly get used to the fact well, that, that we've, that's progress already since yeah, that no, game without, without in, a doubt. And, and, and we played better 
in losing than we did in, in winning. Well, here you doubt. go. The next question is on that at, from Adam Adam, Adam Bootle. Hi, Adam. That's well psychic as well. I didn't even know the next question. Great, he says, is it is it more encouraging? Hi, Adam. Oh, hi, Adam. Sorry. Hi. Is it more encouraging to play uh, well against City and lose or not play as well but win like last year? Well, obviously you want to win, but I mean, I, I thought it was a terrific game of football and it looked like mm. two... I mean, obviously they're a proper football inside. They've got world-class talents, but, you know, it wasn't one of those... Like last season, as you say, even though Joe Hart made a series of very, very, very good saves, we were for a lot of the match on the back foot. They had a ridiculous number of shots in comparison mm. to us, like a ridiculous amount of possession in, in comparison to us. Like had far more of the ball. Like we looked like we were basically playing like completely an away team. We didn't look like that on Saturday. No. It was just it, well, looked, it looked like, like a terrific it, it like game a of football game. between two two teams going for each other. Last season times. it was like a cup game. Really, it looked like yeah. a, almost like a championship team. And bear in mind, we were in quite good form at the time. But it looked like a championship championship team straining every muscle to to stay in the game. But we looked like we just we belonged on the same pitch as them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's slightly, it's yeah, the home form is still slightly worrying, but. Even I'm, I'm happy to say we're, we're not going to go down. We look like a team. We look like a useful team. We look like. Uh, oh. Well, we're not, but we look like you know. We we belong to be there. And it's like yeah. it's it's five games on the trot now. It's not we. They clearly, as most of the newspapers said, the league table is not flattering us. Hmm. And they clearly knew. You see the way they celebrated. They knew they'd been in a really, exactly a tough game. And they they would have looked at that and said, that that's a brilliant three points for them. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because obviously you know. The, the, the TV companies in the summer looked at the fixture and didn't it didn't occur to them for a moment that yeah, it was going to be a big top table game. But we looked like a team we we narrowly lost to a really good team. We, yeah. and we narrowly lost to a, a let's be fair a slightly better team than us. Mm-hmm. With yeah, but and they but given they're one of the best teams in Europe, yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. But why shouldn't they be a slightly better? I think team? we've shown we've shown big progress. Yeah, in a short space of time already. I think. Yeah. So. Okay. I still think the home. I mean, what's interesting because we. There were some Palace fans who panicked when the fixtures came out, but considering our first five games have included three, albeit where Chelsea are, but included three of the teams that you'd expect to finish in the top four, and we've got nine points, it took us, first season we were up, it took us 12 games to get seven points, mm-hmm. it took us 10 games to get nine points mm-hmm. last season, and we had arguably an easier start to the season last season. So we're, This is our toughest start to the Premier yeah, League season. And in terms of what we have to achieve, which is... And I know people will laugh at me for saying this. What we have to achieve is staying in the Premier yeah, League. I agree. Yeah. In terms of that, then it's all looking very encouraging. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just think in the next transfer window, and it's awful to talk about it already. But we just we just need a, a, a striker and some cover. But no, we're we're a really good work in progress at the moment. Yeah. Really and like you say, progress. your home form, home form, yes, on paper right now doesn't look good. But it's against Man City and and Arsenal. And yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So and you got to do them out of the way. And you got some yeah. winnable games coming up. We've okay. beaten teams that are below us, which is what you want. Exactly. Just Chelsea figures is just astonishing. It's, it's slightly, again, it's a strange how some football fans' minds work. People say, oh well, them losing to Everton made our result look look worse than it was. But we we went to Stanford Bridge yeah. and it's only the second we, I don't think we've quite got the credit that we deserve. It's one of the second team to beat them at Stanford Bridge. Hmm. Pardew's the only manager who's beaten Marino Marino twice. three, to, three, three times. times. Beaten him three times. So but we deserve to win that game. And it's a different palace because in years gone by if they if you know that equaliser would have led to them scoring another goal. Hmm. But it didn't. We just carried on attacking and our right back went up and scored a goal. Which was ridiculous yeah. but <coughs> And we deserved it, exactly. Absolutely. And and 
that shows the progress that I think we've uh, we've made so far. Let, let's next question is from Andy Bell. Hi, Andy. Andy. Not not the guy what, from, from Asia. No, it's not the guy sorry, Endicott's not here. I think. So well, we have to keep saying it in case one day it is, it the is from Asia. Yeah, it might be. I don't think he listens is. as well. Can you imagine if it one day was? That'd be great. Endicott is so pleased, wouldn't he? He. Uh, well, he always looks pleased, but I think he looked particularly pleased. Lost that a bit of weight, Endicott. I saw him Saturday. He's lost a bit of weight, didn't he? Well, are you sure he just won because he was hot? Mainly around the legs. No, no. Anyway. I don't normally see him full length, do I? <laughs> he's normally sitting down when I see him. <laughs> he's got quite skinny legs. It's quite fetching. Right, Andy says, what other last-minute goals, in your experience, have we conceded that hurt as much as Saturday after playing so well? Can we count Danny Higginbottom or was that too early? It's pretty late. How late was that? It was late. Was 82. Oh, was that 85th or something. Well, I'm glad that we've got when such encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, Danny Higginbottom, Southampton, the Dowie oh, Premier League crikey. season. Where yeah, we all, yeah, yeah. In fact, it must have been about 86, 87. Was, because Ventilla was scored about 81, yeah. I think. Yeah. Off the top of my head. That and was bad. I think Higginbottom was... It, 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 it must have been. It was very late because I was doing it for match of the day two and we'd already gone round and back to... Uh, Get into the press box thing, so it was. So well, that was happening, so. That's one of the most sickening. Uh, well, Claridge has to be out there as well, doesn't it? Oh, that's in terms of sickness. Well, the yeah. fact that, especially oh. that he won't acknowledge that it was a shit goal that he didn't mean, <laughs> despite the fact that I constantly tell him that every time I see him, <laughs> it looped off his shin, didn't it? Yeah, it was he a didn't mean that. Massive shinner, yeah. That. That's. I think that's the only Palace goal that I've never watched on a, re- a goal in a Palace match that I've never watched in a replay since, and I refuse to still to this day. I won't watch that Steve Claridge goal. I think that's oddly though. It would have felt. Because the playoff didn't quite have the same desperate urgency that it has now, does it, to get into the Premier League? It was still heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, massively so. But it didn't feel like life-changing like it does now if you lose But it made, final. a year later against Sheffield United, well, feel all Hopkins, the more sweet. Hopkins scored at exactly the same yeah. time, didn't he? Yeah. Well, there you go. I think those two are probably the, the biggest sickness. Um, the I best one we scored, yeah. uh, Mark Bright against Millwall. Oh, OK. And we were 3-1 up at Sellers. We were 3-1 up and they got back to 3 all with about 90 seconds to go. Can we count Zahara against Brighton in the playoffs? Is that late enough? Yeah. Or I think if you're going for a Palace when you go for Doug, Dougie at Stockport. Dougie at Stockport. Surely we'll yeah. be up there. That was yeah, big. That was big. Which was handball. Or Hopkin. We can, we it was admit, massive we handball. We can admit that now, can't we? It was handball. Was it 14 years later? Yeah, yeah that was definitely handball. Yeah, right, we'll write off Hopkin then at Wembley. Um, Hopkin at Wembley was... Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was brilliant. There was a Dean Gordon goal in the last... What was that? One of his pole drives was last... I can't... Derby? Was it? Derby? I'm struggling... Because obviously the mind is kind, you forget the ones that are against. I remember Charlton coming down in in the Premier League year one year and scoring in the last minute. The Dennis Romadal yeah, yeah. smashed Romadale into the last minute. Oh yeah, he ran free, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was a bad one. Okay, good question though. though. Yeah, Very good question. Right, um, let's Rich- do a whole special on it, like we tried to do in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> we did a good special in the summer. Yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's crack Apart on. The fact that you lot were so outrageous not include Kevin Phillips in your five-side team, which I'm still bitter about. <laughs> oh, let's not open that wound again. Um, <laughs> open that wound. I had a five-hour rant about that uh, at a Greek bar on Saturday to people who didn't care. <laughs> um, we know the feeling. Uh, Richie Wise back. Hi, Hi Richie. Richie. Okay, it's a long question. This I'm going to paraphrase it. He's put, in, including Wilf Inard, done his research, we've had 32 captains, apparently. For 21 of those captains, it's heralded the end of an era, and they've either left or finished their career as captain. Is this the club captaincy, a curse or disguise? Will Jedi pass the captaincy to someone like Kabai, or will he play on and leave? Hey, we've had 32 captains since Wilf, Wilf Inard. Inard. I don't know, I'm guessing that's back in like the... 
twenties or thirties. Must have more than thirty-two captains. Well, like club captains, like official. Oh, I see. Okay. As an alternative view, surely a club captain is either someone who's at the pinnacle of their career, or is uh, and is therefore probably getting close to retirement with Palace, or becomes one of the most important players in the team, and therefore more susceptible to being bought. So, would it not naturally be the conclusion that a player would end up? making that the, the final part of his Palace career you're not going to stay at Palace and go oh, I'm the captain I'm the captain oh, oh you've demoted me oh I'm just I the left Paddy back Paddy McCarthy was still technically I don't, I don't well know. there's a difference well, he's there's, there's, team, I think he's but there's, there, a, there's, a, there's a massive the thing is it's, it's again we're the only country that really takes the captain thing for most teams especially international teams it's the most senior player at a club or at the country who gets a captain's armband. Mm. There's a big difference between club captain and team captain because quite often the club captain will be somebody who has different characteristics to the team captain. Somebody's maybe more articulate, more less intimidated by authority, and the club captain will be somebody who talks to the chairman or talks to the manager on the player's behalf, mm. or is more happy to go to charity functions or stuff like that. Who's more of a? It's quite often more of a PR role for the players than it is a. It's its sort of leader, a leadership role as the team captain is. To be fair, Jedi does all that. Yeah, yeah, does, well, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, but I'm not sure how the role of club captain sort of impacts on a on know. a player. I mean, is Paddy McCarthy still well, he's still here. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he's still club club captain and Jedi is team. Captain. I mean, because Damien's been who's been captain in the games that Jedi has started. Damien or Dan? Dan? I think it's I think it's, it's Dan. Damien or. I think it is Damo. Yeah. I think mean, it's pretty yeah. much Damo in a way. Yeah. But um, I think. I, d- I don't know if. Because I don't think. You don't appoint an official team captain. You have a captain for each game. I don't think you necessarily say. You don't have to. You don't have to announce that you're, this is your team captain, do you? I don't know. I don't think. I, I, that could well have that wrong. Because I did a UI the ref thing the other day and got them all wrong, which was astonishing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a brilliant, I'm a brilliant pub referee. I'm a fully qualified pub referee. I couldn't. I, couldn't, I was really shocked. <laughs> It's really quiet day in the office, but I got. Um, no wonder they should only listen to Pop One Fifty. And I suppose you know you must you must have to. You, I suppose you do have to announce that your captain is starting the season. You must do, and but it's I suppose it would be an indication if a player's not in the manager's thoughts if he's not team captain. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I'd imagine you'd your team captain would be starting every game. I'd imagine you? Jedi would still be would still be club captain. As long as he's here, I think. I would have thought so. Also he does that role well off the pitch as well. Yeah, but also other players tend to step forward to do that role unofficially anyway. It's, it's always mm. sort of three or four. It's like Andy Johnson was always mm. the one that was always happy to do club stuff. Well, Speroni, in another lifetime, Speroni would have been club captain for years. Well, he'd be the kit man, he'd, be, yeah. he'd do everything, wouldn't he? He'd be catering, he'd, catering be, running, yeah. he'd be running down a red and blue bar. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like Manuel, he'd just be doing everything, really. <laughs> everything you threw at him he'd, he'd cheerfully take on <laughs> he, and he might do after he retires yeah he might probably come down for, step, for, for a penalty of carrying two trays of red wine um, ok I've got a question about it's a good Sp- question though long but good. good question but yeah interesting i got a question about Speroni from Robert Nesta oh, hi Robert he says is Speroni being the keeper of Man City do you think he would have been criticised more for the goal than McCarthy Oh, that's I a good think that's question. a good question. I think that's a very good question. Um, uh, probably no. Well, I mean, again, it would depend how he'd started the season. I mean, I think Baroni's banked up so much goodwill now that you'd probably. You'd, I mean, that's part of McCarthy's problem is that we still don't know how good he is as a keeper yet, and there's mm. a, quite a bit of pressure on McCarthy because 
Pardew went to a lot of effort to bring him to a club where it looked like we had two really good goalkeepers anyway so there's always that kind of suspicion like that's talking about that small club paranoia there's always that suspicion amongst fans when you've got certainly one player who's a legend and when another player's brought in in that position he's got to work much harder mm. and will be scrutinised the way that Julian was when he first came into the yeah. to Palace you know and when he's that first season in the Premier League when every mistake because he was making so many every mistake was under the spotlight and, but, so I think the answer is that Speroni probably wouldn't have been under so much pressure or wouldn't have been criticised so much but I can understand why McCarthy is because he hasn't settled down as our mm. first choice keeper yet we don't know much about him and it's still, we still don't know whether Speroni be back in the team there's been no it, it would have been there's no reason why Pardew should but it would have been quite nice if we sort of knew that he was our keeper full stop mm. you might be more inclined to get behind him because mm. at the moment you don't know whether he's not that we shouldn't get behind him obviously but at the moment you don't know whether he's a standing or whether he's a first choice or mm. and the fact is if he is first choice then he will get more scrutiny because he's what, come out of nowhere to, to become what, he's, he's, I mean, ju- he's jumped two good goalkeepers to become you wonder if he might not know if he's that's a good First point, choice. but you, you kind of assume. I think when we had this discussion, we brought him. You kind of assume he must be, really. Hmm. But if he is, that does make it difficult because, as I say, it looks like he's jumped ahead of two, one very good goalkeeper and one goalkeeper. We assume he's very good, but we don't see him enough to make. Hmm. But that's a good question. A very good question. I suspect that we won't see Spironi apart from cup games. Cup, yeah, I've got a feeling Julian won't be starting. I agree. Uh, also on the bench, I don't think. Yeah, I think possibly they'll be looking for a different role for him in terms of yeah. maybe goalkeeping I coach. I mean, maybe, I thought, yeah, exactly, or some sort of ambassador role. Hopefully, he'll stay at the club. I, I, I wouldn't like to see him start moving down divisions. Mm. I mean, well, it depends what he like, wants to do, though, doesn't it? Of course, yeah. But he's relatively old. You keep forgetting that he's relatively old now, even yeah. for a keeper. So, as a selfishly as a Palace fan, and this will sound odd considering what I said about. Glenn Murray that we shouldn't hold Glenn Murray back by saying I, th- I found the whole Glenn Murray thing with some Palace fans really odd because basically what they were saying is it was very selfish that we should keep Glenn Murray but have him on the bench like an old Labrador it's like yeah he's not going to play but we'd like him we'd, it's nice for him to be around the house throw him a ball yeah and then they were kind of saying why, why have you let him go because he, he wanted to go and play football he wanted to, he wanted yeah. to go and play football exactly. so I think if but I would look you know the opposite selfishly I would, would really like to see Julian stay at the club in some sort of role I think he would yeah. like, oh, well, I can't speak for him, obviously, but he's clearly got a connection to the club, so you'd, you'd like to think that would be the case. Well, the way he talks about Dundee, he didn't really want to leave them. Yeah, basically. True. So well, I'm clearly, sure. from the testimony, I've still got abs- a very abs- strong abs- connection yeah. with him. I saw, in fact, quite a few Dundee fans came to my show in Edinburgh, just basically off the back of really? Sparona, yeah. Thanks, Jules. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, right, our next question is from Brown Bear. Hi, Brown. Hi, Brown Bear. Yeah. He says, is it, is it, his real name's Leon Mc... Hi Liam. Sorry, I think it was a Native American tweet. <laughs> one of our Dakota Hills Palace fans. Well, hey, hey, who knows? We might have fans out there. Um, he says, "Is it okay, no, to use bubble bath in the shower if you run out of shower gel?" Well, I just don't think it would be sufficiently uh, solid to be able to get a good wash from because it's quite, quite, li- quite liquid, liquidous. <laughs> That's a word, <laughs> clearly. Hold on, you, you naive fools. It's the same thing. It's all no, it's not. It's more. One, it's just solid, it's surely just it's go to the factory. It's one big tap. They just put different shoes. <laughs> washing up bottles splurt. Well, not all of us have a sideline in BBC yeah. Science. Yeah, washing up lip bottle, like you. Hairdress, shampoo, conditioner. It's just it's the same. It's thing. all the same thing. All oh, right. Just different wow. colour, different bottle. 
Well, I've learned something. Well, there you go. Well, that's, 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 the worst, that's the most middle class question we've ever had. That's ruined my just have, life. Just have water, that'll be fine. <laughs> I used to work, you saw my show, I used to work in a, in a, my first job was in a barber shop as a young man. Yeah, well, so you know what you're, yeah. talking, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. When, there you yeah. go. And he, uh, I can't tell you his name, because he may still be alive, but he, he one day he said, I'll let you into the trick of the trade, because apparently there is only one when you're a barber. He said, you go to, uh, you go to a spa and you get a really cheap shampoo, and you pour it out, and then you, yeah, you pour the, you get a bottle of Ozine, and you pour it out, and then you put the cheap shampoo into the bottle of Ozine, <laughs> and you charge more for the, it's Vosine, you charge more for the Vosine, but it's really cheap shampoo. So I said, what do you do with the Vosine that you pour out? And there was a silence, because he obviously hadn't thought that through. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, I'll just pour it away. So like, right, right, why don't you just, why don't you just use the Vosine, charge him more for that then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. What's Vosine? Yeah. It's, it's um, well, back in the day, it was like a posh. It was the posh shampoo. Oh, there we go. Ooh. Basically, Endicott. Oh, I know, you would have used wire wool. I imagine. It shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It's the way he says it's black, really, because there's so much wire wool. <laughs> he's, he's, rubbed it, he's rubbed it off, he's down to the root colour. Right. Next question is from. <laughs> poor Enders, can't defend himself. Next question is even from. If was, even if he was here. <laughs> to be fair, if he was here, he wouldn't be heard. Bless him. Right. I miss him. John Dodds. Hi, John. Says, how high. <laughs> can't, get, can't get around him either. Exactly. <laughs> John Dodds says, how high can we finish in the table? What, theoretically, first? Well, I guess, you know, after well, yeah. the back of that result, now where do we think? Uh, well, surely, 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 uh, the position we finished last season would be fantastic I think most people would admit that we can if we have an amazing season we could do I think similar to what Southampton did in their brilliant season when you know various players who are underrated by a lot of other teams come together and form a really good cohesive team unit my worry though I was actually thinking about this earlier while Kevin was talking my Kevin was talking and my worry though is that if we have a particularly good season where they all gel and they're all capable of doing that and we do finish probably above expectation even sort of our wildest expectations you do then worry if the vultures will really start circling because what Southampton have found is that Mm. when they perform to basically the ceiling of their ability and to sort of the maximum of what they're capable of doing obviously the likes of Liverpool then go oh Mm. yeah they've got some good players and they've played in the Premier League let's buy their entire team so I mean that that's kind of a little bit of a worry from my mm. perspective but I would say we're capable of finishing sort of seventh if we have a really good season I think anything higher than that you know you've got an established top six there really if you factor in sort of Liverpool and Spurs as well and you, you would think over the course of the season they've both got big enough squads to sort of probably outperform us um if we lose someone like Scott Dan for a prolonged period, we would be in a fair amount of trouble. Um, were we to have to rely rather than on a MacArthur or a Kabai on one of the other guys, you would have thought that over the course of the entire season we'll probably perform at a slightly lower level. Despite me saying completely the opposite on a pod about three weeks ago. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, th- I think we're a couple of injuries away from sort of a, a bit of a tail off in, mm-hmm. in, in form. But, you know, I, I don't see why we, we, we're not capable of pushing on from what we did last season yeah. I, think, there, I think we've reached the point that we talked about in the first season in, in the Premier League about when we talked about expectations and Charlton fans back in the day etc etc I think if we start talking about where we can finish then disappointment is the inevitable outcome I still 
forgive me for saying it, and it is, uh, people will be going out for the love of God and throwing whatever they're listening to at the wall, but first thing is to stay in the Premier League, yeah. and I think we will do that, and then see what happens after that. I just think, I think what's interesting this season is that already I thought that Norwich, Bournemouth and Watford would be pretty much nailed on to go down and that sort of took some of the fear away but I'm not sure that's the case anymore look it's hard looking at even though Newcastle are losing as we speak Sunderland uh, look pretty poor no one's no one looks like they're a basket case at the moment I thought Leicester were going to struggle this season absolutely and they're still I think they're in a false position as well but no one looks like they're a basket case at the moment so I don't think there's any obvious candidates for going down so I think it's going to be tight but I think we just it's hard to say it out loud, but we look a better football team than quite a few of the teams in that in the Premier League. But I just I do worry about the home form, and I do worry that there will be a, a different weight of expectation that suddenly the club and the players feel they have to mm. you know, win every game against the, the, the smaller teams, and which Palace fans will start expecting. You know, and I think there's, a, there's a danger in that. But I think I think staying up is the important thing. I, th- I think. Uh, Streety's point is a, is a good one, but I think Southampton is slightly they they kept some of the players that came through. Again, we're not getting that much. We still got quite a few of the players that got us promoted. And I think the ethos at the club is that we will still will always have a sort of nucleus of five or six players around which the squad is squad is based. And the fact is that if they do come in for our players, they'll have to pay decent money for them. Yeah. And I think we're starting to put in place with Pardew with Parish. Started to put in place a sort of continuity in a system whereby we won't sell our, we don't have to sell our players anymore. For the first time in years, mm. we don't have to sell our best players, and if we do sell them, we'll get good players in because, you know, it, again it comes back to what we said about Scott Danstein. The longer, you know, the more players like Kabaya we sign, the more players like Kabaya we sign because it shows we're a club with, with you know, optimism and attitude and, and ambition. But the, the thing is as well, we have to accept that. We're not going to break into that top six or seven on a regular basis. If we do, we'll have we could have a good season and do like Newcastle is under Pardew and finish fifth, but then struggle the next season. So I, I think, much as I'm really enjoying what's happening at the moment, I am. I'm really enjoying it. And I'm really optimistic. The fact is that we are one of the 14 clubs in the Premier League that probably won't be in it in 10 seasons' time, yeah. and that includes people like Everton and Villa, and who, whose ambition is always to stay in it. Yeah, you know, obviously, the longer we stay in it, the more we become like Stoke, and you look like you're one of those teams that will be there. But even Stoke is struggling now. Yeah, you know, but, but we had five or six seasons ago, you wouldn't think Bolton would ever, well, or exactly. would never be in it. But yeah, that the important thing is staying. Not, and it's like Steve Parish in his interview in the Guardian. It's not just important in terms of football. It's important in terms of what we're doing in the community, what we're doing in terms of the training ground, the academy, attracting new talent. But we're at that brilliant stage where the one thing that could impact on is the academy because it's the one thing Simon Jordan did that was sensible was to keep the academy going because we've had to rely on you know Victor Moses is playing for West Ham tonight we've had to rely on bringing players through like that and getting money for them to survive in the past mm-hmm. and you only have to look at the amount of players Chelsea have out on loan if you if you reach a stage where you're going to comfortably be in the Premier League in the top 10 every season then that ambition that desire to bring young players through doesn't have the same urgency that it used to have. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that that won't. But that's that something that happen, Palace fans or the Palace that are a cl- as a club are are passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So that's and something I, that's important to our identity. Yeah, but that the thing is that could change 
if we become a bigger club than we are at the moment. I, I doubt it will, because I think we'll always be a club that attracts people from the local area, but mm -hmm. that is one of the things that will that could change. But for the most part, at the moment, I just think it's just brilliant. Just enjoy it. Let's not start staying. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, not, let's not start saying, where can we finish? Can we get into Europe? See what happens. Just see what happens, yeah. All right, final question. And inevitably, we will lose to West Brom. Uh, probably, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the Palace way. Final question comes from Graham Nealon. Hi, Graham. Hi, Graham. Uh, he lives in Australia, and he says... Given the leadership spill currently happening here in Oz, don't know what that means, but um, uh, I believe that means Oz uh, is short for Australia. Yeah, it means Australia. <laughs> I knew that I mean, bit. They, they got rid of their uh, prime minister today, Tony Abbott, I believe, okay. who is the, the Murdoch stooge. Can you do that? In their government. Yeah, it's a strange, uh, invoked a strange Australian rule. Uh, yeah, it's his own party have got rid of him. Okay, he's the Liberal Party, but even though he's a very far right wing conservative ideologue. Okay. He's the one who's been particularly uh, harsh in the things he said about, you know, sending the navy out to sink boats full of refugees off the Australian oh, coast, wow. etc., okay. etc. Probably best to get rid of him then, I imagine. Well, we don't know the ins and outs of these things, do we? But, we know. don't, and obviously that's not why we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, there's well, more. We to do, but let's not talk about. There's that, more sorry. to Graham's question. Sorry, Graham hasn't just asked us our opinions on what's happening in Australia. He says, um, on the back of that, which Palace player would make the best prime minister? Ooh. Oh, I would go. I'd go for Shamak because <laughs> okay. wow, because the electorate would be so baffled by what's going on on top of his head <laughs> that he could sneak in any <laughs> could basically any party political broadcast. He could just say he could be promising a giraffe for every garden. Yeah, and no one, no oh, one would I take don't. any notice. So they'd just be going, "What on earth is?" I vote for that. How's he get? And let's face it, if he can manage what's happening on top of his head, he can manage a country. <laughs> that, that's his tagline, right there. That's it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's it, right there. Um, I think it's probably for the best that I think none of them would make. I, well, Jedi he, would take it. Well, Julian would be good. I, see, Julian I think would, Julian. Julian would take on too much, so he'd be travelling. He'd be trying to do the NHS and yeah. ISIS and some of his garden. <laughs> yeah, he would. He'd, he'd be doing all sorts. Yeah, of fixing the potholes. Basically, as well, yeah, himself. Yeah. But he'd be good yeah. though because he's he's he talks well and he's just he's he's nice. He's a likable guy. Yeah, so he's, he is. Yeah, he's lovely. It'd, it'd be nice to think that we've moved on enough to have an Argentinian as prime minister. Well, why not? I'm sure yeah. the son would love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Can you imagine? Um, Street, who, who do you vote for? Well, I think I think we've got a range of options really, haven't we? We've got uh, Bamford, who obviously haven't been to Harvard's uh, part of the political yeah, elite yeah. anyway. Uh, oh, he's, okay. He's booked learned, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've got Joe Ledley, who has the Corbyn bid thing going on, but also is Welsh, like uh, Lloyd George uh, yeah. in the early yeah. 1900s. Good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Good knowledge. And uh, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I thought of another one, but I've completely forgotten it now. So, yeah, that. No, oh, or, or, or we could have Yannick Blassie, because I believe he'd probably do Prime Minister's Questions to a grime soundtrack oh that would be good he does like these little videos doesn't he so probably yeah. Periscope from like the House of Commons or something completely against normal convention so I, I think he'd shake shit up as the, uh, <laughs> as the phrase goes <laughs> yeah. and uh, that is the most street that the street has ever sounded um, thank you Graham for that question that was that was very good uh, thank you listeners for your questions in part 3 we look forward to Palace's uh, game against Tottenham so we'll see you in a bit Hello, listeners, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 149. Oh, what's happening for 150? Uh, we've got a very special guest Ooh. for 150. Any clues? Um, uh, someone to do with Palace. Oh, okay. Male, female? Uh, can't say. Pos possibly. Is it Kayla? Uh, can't say. 
not been put down yet. Just wait till <laughs> that. We're not doing that again. Um, just wait till next week, and you will find out. But listeners, it's a very special guest uh, to to cap off yeah. 150 podcasts. We don't have to wait, as we know. Yeah, obviously you know, so but don't I'm excited. say it. I want. Don't say it now. Alan Whittle. I don't know how you found him. This is great. <laughs> Alan Whittle's on. Derek Posse. How did you get Derek Posse You're back? just following a lot of people saying, we want Will. We want Will. Right. Um, we are, of course, sponsored by, uh, well, by Vector Printing, of course, for your print embroidery needs. Go to Vector.co.uk. That's Vector with a K. Oh, of course now, is it? And we're also sponsored by JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. <laughs> uh, visit jc-is.com. Um, oh, and listeners, please vote for us in the football blogging. You didn't blogging. do the more oh, I didn't do JC that. thing. IS.com, is that wise yeah. in this day and age? <laughs> oh, God, no. Can, we don't have time for that. internet thing. We don't have time for that. What do you want to do for JC? Uh, more legendary than Jim Cannon. Good. Oh, good one. Yeah, Very JC, good. Yeah, excellent. Um, and listeners, you can vote for us in the football blogging awards by tweeting the following. I'm voting in the at the FBAs for at FYP fanzine as the best football hashtag podcast. And if you do that, catchy. it is catchy. And if you do that, we will very much appreciate that um, indeed. Now, Palace are playing Spurs away in their next game. A game last season that Palace played very well in and arguably, well, not even arguably, should have got all three points. Nil-nil last season. It was nil-nil, and then we beat them at Celeste. Um Carl Mortimer's got a question for, for this game. Well, no, the question is in part two, though. Can you say hi, Carl? Oh, hi, hi, Carl. Carl. Yeah, well, he's thrown us a little bit. He says, uh, do you start Gale at Spurs? Well, I'm not the manager, so uh, probably not. I, I, it's a very good question. I, it would depend, I suppose, on Wickham's fitness, mm-hmm. on the availability of other players. I, 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 I think the answer is that he won't start, to be perfectly honest. Um, again, Gale suffered in an ideal world ten years ago. Gale would start with next to Wickham. Because I still think. It, Gale's big problem, as we've discussed before, is that he's an old-fashioned mm-hmm. striker in a world where four-four-two is considered so out of date that no one's going to give him a chance playing next to a big. Although City it? did kind of start in a four-four-two on Saturday yeah. with Boney and yeah. Aguero up top. Yeah, and then when, when Aguero, but not that sort of traditional little no. large type formation no, with Gale using his pace to get onto flick on them. No, I I don't think Gale again. It's it's difficult. I'm really, as I say, I'm really pleased he started. He stayed, but. Many times you'd argue that he would, mm. and he's good off. He's good as impact, isn't he? He's good as an impact. Well, he's very much yeah. an impact player yeah. to, to my mind. I'd, I'd be amazed if he starts. And I, I personally wouldn't start him. I mean, we we mentioned there the fact that City did start with the two up top in that game. You know, arguably it was their worst performance of the season so far. Admittedly, we played quite well, but like there were times last season when they tried to go with the four four two and mm. it just didn't work for mm-hmm. them. And again, arguably after Aguero goes off and they end up. Having to, uh, who came on for Aguero? Uh, De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Uh, they, yeah. they end up effectively dropping another man back into the midfield. Yeah. They ended up possibly, you'd, you'd say, getting more control of the game from that point onwards, from the, the point at which you know that extra man adds a bit of weight to, to the midfield area. Um, so, I mean, also, all, I think Hangeland played really well. I thought Hangeland was very good on mm-hmm. Saturday, but it did kind of play into his hands a little bit in that they did start with a four-four-two. Because you worry about Hangland if you've got a team playing with you know, just one striker or a full striker and he's getting drawn out of... When the game's in front of him and when mm. he can see the ball, he'll head it and kick it really well. He's a good, proper old fashioned. Bony was very much that one but, man up top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which Hangeland yeah. 
you know, he dealt with that very well. You worry about him when you've got a more mobile set of forwards. Um, which is not a criticism of Angler. I think he's very. I'm glad he's in the mm-hmm. squad, and I think he and Kelly did well. But no, I don't think Gale will start. But I think Gale does give you a different option. If well, if you need a goal, but uh, Tottenham look pretty poor. I watched the Sunderland game, and you know, obviously it'll be knowing Palace, it'll be Kane's chance to score his first goal. Of the season. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't think we should go there with any any worry. And it's interesting. Street, you kind of Andy's absolutely right. You would normally include Tottenham in the sort of you know, six or seven at the start, but at the moment it's, they're not they're not firing on all cylinders at all. No. And I don't think they'll be too pleased about us coming to White Hart Lane I mean too tricky away that the Watford game I'd have been more confident about before they beat Swansea because I thought Swansea would just pass them off the pitch and, and wear them down and score two or three in the last 15 minutes but Watford I thought looked alright and mm. all the council reports said they looked good and the fact is that we can't that the away form can't it's got to stop some it's got to stop somewhere I mean the, the away form is freakishly good mm. Two point four points yeah, per game. It's astonishing. It's probably came in to, away the, from home. to the extent that we're starting to take it for granted, and we can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, our record under Pardew is fantastic, but we are starting to take it for granted, and that's why we're sort of overlooking the home form a little bit. And partly because we lost to City and Arsenal, I understand that. But you can't you can't rely on winning these away games because teams will start seeing seeing it through us eventually yeah. and certainly and we can't underestimate Spurs I, I didn't oh, yeah. see their match against Sunderland because I was, I was on a plane poor, at the time it was but poor it was I think other, other than yeah, that so they've actually created quite a lot of chances this season they've not been putting them away but they've been, their, their sort of chance creation has been actually okay and there have been periods of matches where they've looked pretty good uh, I wouldn't say they've looked phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination and certainly we're capable of going there and, and getting a good result but I, I think you know we've got to be a little bit wary of just saying, "Oh, we we got four points in the last uh, season." Yeah, mm, yeah you know, like Spurs. And, well, you I know. thought what was interesting watching them yesterday compared to watching Palace on Saturday was that they're, they're Tottenham very slow. They move the ball about, but really slowly. And they get Sunderland had so much time to get men behind the ball, whereas we were moving the ball about so much more quickly and so much more precisely. Mm. And I do think, yeah, I don't, I'm not scared about going there, but I do. I am. So I'm scared about us sort. of just taking this away form for granted because it will it'll end eventually it can't just the law of averages we can't there's something clearly something that Pardew and the players are doing that that, that makes us so good away from home What what is the kind of the recipe behind it Teams have to be on the front foot, don't they, against us? If they're if they're the home team, and we're set up to play as a counter-attacking team, that's always going to be yeah. more conducive. Where the, the t- home team tries to play like a home team. I'm not saying anything because I asked him that question at the Player of the Year, doing he called me an idiot? All <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> did he? <Yeah. laughs> Said that was a layman's question version oh. of an idiot's question. Basically. Well, he didn't answer it. I accept yeah. the criticism for uh, myself. No, no, because I don't know because I just because I. But it's I, a fa- I think it's a fair question, yeah. Yeah, but. But you've only got to look at the points total. Like it's not a layman's question or a stupid person's question. If the points total away from home is two point four points, well, it's, more, it's more my, me saying is it to do with the fact that at home teams don't sit, you know, teams sit yeah. back and we haven't got the space to counter attack. Maybe you just don't want to say that the pitch was shit. Well, well, possibly, there was that, yeah, possibly. <laughs> but the, the fact is as well. I mean, we, we are. I think we are still set out to better as a counter attacking team, and that's why we probably look. Good against City because City. Will, no, it doesn't matter if City are home or away; they'll still play their way and attack you. But you, you have to think. Eventually, I, I'm amazed it hasn't happened already. You think there's there's obviously good managers out there, but they can't seem to come up with a way of stopping us mm. playing that way. But it's 
Yeah. Also, I do worry because we still haven't got a natural goal scorer. Well, we have in Gale. Yeah, it doesn't fit our yeah. system. Yeah, fair point. Or Sacco looks like he might be, but I don't mm, think Sacco. Sacco's going to get twenty a season. But not yet. Right. Definitely not yet. But it's interesting. We've got options as well. You know, we've yeah, got, yeah. We got certainly got options well, off the bench. Again, it comes back to being disappointed about losing at home to City. For, you know, yeah. when in the past have we talked about going to White Hart Lane? And, and saying well we should be able to get something there exactly and in fact I work with yeah. a Spurs fan and he's terrified yeah they, a lot of Spurs fans are not looking forward to, to Sunday at all because of the way he played last season and because yeah. Palace are now by club teams uh, supporters of other clubs seen as a, as a viable threat and a, and a decent team yeah yeah and Tottenham haven't I mean, even the for the fact they won yesterday they didn't look impressive mm. and it was against a pretty poor Sunderland side I know Sunderland put the effort in, but you kind of would hope they would do that. But mm. that's why, I would, if I was a Sunderland fan, I'd be worried because they look like they're having to work really, really hard just to stay in the game against mm. against teams. Yeah. And apart from Defoe, they, they've got it just doesn't seem any goals in them. Well, we've taken one of their yeah. main strikers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one goal in two seasons. <laughs> uh, he'll come good. He will come good. I got faith in him. Um, that's kind of it, folks. For this, for this, do we have some predictions for Spurs game? No. Nah. No? No, we're grown-ups. <laughs> Are we? Are we there? No? Okay. Well, I say a lot of stupid stuff that ends up being disproven very quickly, so I think when it comes down to putting something that's quantifiable yeah. and then very, very, very precise that people will come back, then no. Okay. We're going to win one uh, now. Let's just share the league table. <laughs> let's go. We're... Let's see that. we're down to sixth now, which oh, no, is basically but, a disgrace. But we are seven points ahead of the bottom three, for those of us with a pessimist. Well, there you go. That's the important <laughs> thing. Are we yeah. safe yet, Kev? Yeah, yeah. In. Yeah. Are we safe? <laughs> are we safe? I don't think we'll go down. Okay. So yes. So therefore, yes. Wow. There you go. Earliest. He's cursed it, hasn't he? No, I don't think. I just no, can't I think see us. Well, yeah. barring a disaster. Well, which Palace are perfectly capable of yeah. doing. Barring Pardew, you know, leaving for some reason yeah. or getting an England job or whatever. Yeah. Then. Or but, Dan getting injured or. Yeah, but, well, but even so, I think we've still got enough about us to, to not to not get relegated. On that Good. Note. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's end part. Uh, let's end the pod there, um, chaps. Thank you very much for, for being, and welcome back to the pod to both of you, um, listeners. Oh, one more thing. Um, we sold. We uh, it, FYP issue forty three was on sale on Saturday against Man City and sold very well. So thank you to everyone that bought a copy. Are there any left? Uh, there's there's some left. Yeah, which I will, think are going to be. When will they be on sale? Uh, the next home game, I think, which, which is, is against uh, West Brom. There will be some left because you forgot to go and sell them, didn't you? I didn't. You've got a phone to. call when you're in the pub saying, "Why aren't you out selling the fans?" Oh yeah, no, I did. Technically, yeah, I got. Um, well, next time goes Charlton, isn't it in the cup? T- t- yeah, oh, there might be some Charlton. Technically, yeah. might be some Charlton. <laughs> Thank you for listening, listeners, and we will see you next week after Spurs for podcast 150. Ooh. See you then. Goodbye. Bye. Podcast Network.